Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Whether you are in the room live, watching live online, later on demand, or listening to our podcast, we've been praying for you to experience the life-changing power of God in your life today. I'm Chris Voigt, and I lead the team here at Dayspring. That team is made up of people committed to helping you grow. People grow here because our team loves to challenge, encourage, and equip people to become more like Jesus. If this is your first time visiting Dayspring, we want you to know that this is the kind of church where you get to be you. We're just like you, imperfect people on a journey. We're allowing Jesus to make something beautiful out of our broken and often messy lives, learning to live like Him, a little more today than yesterday, a little more tomorrow than today. Even if you aren't sure that you're ready to be on that journey with us, maybe you are skeptical about the claims of Jesus or skeptical of His followers. Well, this is still a great place, a safe place to explore and ask questions as you look for answers. We're asking those same questions and looking for answers too, so I think we can be pretty good company on your journey. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church, by checking out our Facebook page, or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your home church, or if you just have questions, let us know. We'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find a discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. And now, let's join our service. Welcome to the fifth week of parenting, winning the battle for your child's heart. Our kids are precious. They are amazing little creatures crafted in the image of God, entrusted into our care for a season. They bring us great joy. And they are often the source of our deepest challenges. Those things that bring us to our knees as we reach the end of ourselves. Every season of parenting has its joys and challenges, but they are just that, seasons. They, they seem so long when you are in them and so short when you're finally on the other side of them. And then your kids finally make it to adulthood. They finally become people. People you hopefully actually like. And then they have the audacity to want to move out and create their own lives, start their own family. And then there are grandchildren. Our revenge or reward for, the, for all of those challenging seasons. Now, as I've told you already, our goal as parents, our North Star became our desire to be fantastic grandparents. We didn't just want to see our grandkids every now and then. We wanted to be a part of their lives, which meant that our kids had to want to be around us when they no longer had to be around us. That North Star helped us choose wisely as we navigated the parenting challenges we all face especially during the teen years when they were trying to figure out what they wanted their lives to look like. It put all of those short-term challenges into perspective and gave us wisdom to know which ones were hills to die on and which ones to lose strategically. Uh, though we weren't smart enough to recognize it at the time, that is, we didn't have the language for what we were doing like we do today, we were parenting toward the relationship, parenting with the relationship in mind. Of course, we didn't just do it for our grandkids' sakes. What we really wanted was the relational equity to have continuing influence in our kids' lives. 
We, we knew both kids were making short-term decisions uh, that were unwise. Uh, like most teens, they just, they just knew that they understood the world better than we did. That the, the three trees that they were looking at were the forest of their lives. And by the way, I'm not knocking my kids. I think my kids are incredible. I'm really just describing the cycle of life. I was once them, just as my parents were once them. You were once them too. And if you are a middle schooler or high schooler right now, you are them. It's just the way of the world. It shouldn't be, but it is. We all go through a season where we just know that we know more than our parents. So rather than planting a flag in the ground and forcing them to choose a battle that we knew we would have lost, we kept our eyes on the prize, parenting toward the relationship, aiming toward lifelong influence so that when they got tired of making those mistakes, they'd trust us enough to help them get what they really wanted out of life. And we'd get grandkids. Now, so far, we've covered the different seasons of parenting. We've covered the power of our words. We've covered the importance of our marriages. If there were ever a tightrope to walk when it comes to winning our child's heart, it's today's topic, discipline. We've got enough people uh, my age and older in the room and watching online that remember the days of old school discipline. As I look back on my life, my very first memory was being beaten black and blue from just above my knees to my lower back by my step-grandmother. I was a three-year-old who didn't turn down the television when she told me to. My mother was incensed. She took me around town to several friends to show them what Ermagene had done to me. I didn't know this until I was an adult, but my stepfather, to his credit, told his mom that if she ever touched me again, it would be the last thing she did. Now, of course, at least in our Western culture, parenting with that kind of authoritarian approach to discipline is not the norm anymore, which is a good thing. The pendulum swung from old school discipline to permissive parenting, a more nurturing and warm approach also characterized by a lack of structure, consistency, and limits. Now, in my experience today, most of our families are trying to find some middle ground, which is harder than it looks, because we live in a permissive culture that tells us that we must not just allow, but actively support every whim of our children, even if the long-term consequences can be destructive. However, Discipline plays an incredibly important role in training our little humans to become big humans. Uh, though the Bible doesn't give us much in the way of specific parenting directions, it does give us lots of great stuff about relationships and, believe it or not, a pretty good passage about discipline. But let's go back to where we started the first week with Proverbs 13, 24, which reads, Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Okay, now this verse has been, though it's been used to justify, misused really, to justify the authoritarian form of parenting for hundreds of years, this isn't a command to spank your children. So don't take that away from it. In fact, in the original language, the word for rod here in this verse is the same word for rod that we discussed in our Psalm 23 series this summer. A rod was used to provide security, protection, and guidance for sheep, not punishment. 
Instead, it is a warning for parents. Appropriately administered discipline is a demonstration of love toward your children. Part of our responsibility as parents is to prepare our children for real life. In real life, there are consequences for the bad and good decisions we make. We all know that. The consequences of hard work generally include greater recognition, responsibility, pay, and personal fulfillment. The consequences of regular maintenance and care of your vehicle generally include a vehicle that runs consistently and lasts longer. On the other hand, if you don't pay your electric bill, the consequence is living by candlelight. Every decision we make has consequence to it. Parents who love their children train them to understand the laws of consequences. It is not love to protect your children from consequences for 18 years and then set them free in a world they aren't equipped to understand. Parents who try to solve every problem a kid faces actually do them a disservice in the long run. There are no participation trophies in life. So instead, we start with the small things when they are small, like sharing getting along with others and showing respect. And then we graduate to bigger things like missing the bus, forgetting to turn in homework and failing an exam. In each parenting season, it looks a little different. But as parents, we want our homes to be places where our kids experience the positive and negative consequences of the decisions they make. Our homes should be safe places to fail and learn those consequences because it's a controlled environment. It's much better for your kids to learn the, the laws of consequences in small things before those consequences aren't so small and they don't have you to help them navigate them. Especially in the teen years, parents be intentional about linking some of the freedoms your kids are asking for with appropriate consequences for failure. Now besides preparing your kids for the real world, discipline has another purpose. One that's even more important. Discipline helps prepare your kids for their relationship with God. We all know that God calls us to surrender in obedience to his plans and purposes for our lives. To embrace his way of living instead of the world's. We all know that discipline, we all know that discipline prepares our kids to listen and to obey God the Father. Let's look what Hebrews 12 has to say about this purpose of discipline. Beginning in verse 5, the author writes, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the, Lord's dis for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of, our, of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, 
there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. A Christ-focused life doesn't come naturally. We all start in the same place. Self-focused living. Selfishness comes naturally to all of us. In the process of learning to think like, believe like, and act like Jesus, that selfishness must be tamed and transformed into selfless, sacrificial living. The lion's share of that work is done after your child leaves home. But before that, discipline is the tool that prepares your child for his or her journey to holiness. And isn't that what we want for our kids? We want them to be holy for Jesus' sake. Wouldn't you like their journey of becoming like Jesus to be easier than your journey to become like Jesus has been? Of course you do, because you love your kids. So we discipline. Now, here's where it begins to get a little tricky. There is a difference between discipline and punishment. We use those two terms interchangeably in our culture. Uh, and in doing so, we blur the lines and forget that they aren't the same. But our culture leans toward punishment, probably because it's easier to punish than it is to discipline. So we time out. We take away the toy. We take away screens. We send them to their room. We ground them for a week or two. We steal our child's dignity by yelling and screaming. We withdraw our approval. We might even spank them. As Andy and Sandra Stanley say in their parenting book, Punishment is not discipline. Punishment is punishment. Discipline makes a person better. Punishment rarely makes anybody better. Discipline is redemptive. Punishment is about you conforming to my expectations. Discipline is about character formation. So while there might be an appropriate context for some of those punishments, clearly it is better to discipline than it is to punish. Which begs the question, what is it that we are disciplining toward or for? I mean, if we're going to prepare our kids for their adult relationship with God the Father, what kind of rules might help best? Before I get to those, let's consider what Jesus had to say on the topic. Which, about parenting, we already know this, is zilch. Nada. Nothing. But as you already know, if you've been a day springer for more than five minutes, Jesus left us with one command. In John 13, 34, he tells us to love each other just as he has loved us. The way we love each other demonstrates the way we love God. If we say we love God, but don't love others, we don't love God. Our love for others proves our love for God. How we treat people matters. So relationships are the highest priority from that perspective. Our rules should tie into that priority. And I think we can sum it up with two rules. Now, I didn't come up with these for the record. I wish I did uh, because they are spot on. We definitely had these rules for our kids, but we had others too. But I'm taking a cue from the Stanleys on this one. And again, I highly recommend their book for every person who is in the active parenting stage of life or wants to be, uh, no matter what stage of development your kids are in. Here they are. Number one, honor your mother. Number two, 
don't tell a lie. That's it. Honor your mother, don't tell a lie. Simple and easy to remember. These are two keystone rules. Uh, if you've ever read The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg or Atomic Habits by James Clear, then you know what I mean. Keystone habits are small behaviors with large ripple effects. For example, working out is generally considered to be a keystone habit. Because when you begin to work out regularly, you begin to think more about what you put into your body, which leads to better eating habits. Working out early in the morning leads to going to bed earlier. More sleep equals more productivity, which affects self-esteem. All because you decided to work out. One habit unlocked the others. So let me unpack what we mean here. First, honor your mother. Learning to honor mom leads to learning how to honor each other as well as other adults. Uh, honoring mom requires prioritizing what's important to mom. Things like a clean room, a made bed, brushing your teeth at night, a respectful tone of voice. What's so great about this keystone rule is that as your kids get older, the why becomes just as important as the what. Maybe even more important. So why should you make your bed? Because I said so is not a good reason the older your kids get. Why should you make your bed? Well, because that's just what we do. Isn't any better as far as reasons go. But because we want to honor mom, and honoring mom means prioritizing what's important to mom, ties making your bed into something more than just a task that we do. It's a who that we love. Honoring the people who, honors, uh, who, who mom honors, honors mom. The why is tied to the priority of relationships, which is what Jesus was calling us to prioritize. Andy says, dads, if you teach your children to honor their mother and they see you honor their mother, they will instinctively honor you as well. Ultimately, they will honor you for requiring them to honor her. Aim for one and you'll get both. What's more, when you point out how your kid's behavior misses the mark, they will see you defending someone's honor rather than merely requiring obedience for obedience or compliance's sake. Honor does not come naturally. It has to be learned to be trained into you. It's easier to learn honor earlier in life than it is later. So honor your mother, which begins at home. What begins there will ripple out into other relationships as you grow. By the way, this ties into an explicit command in the Bible as well. It's a command with a promise attached to it. Uh, we find it in the book of Ephesians right after the submission passage we talked about last week, which means that it's related. In chapter 6, Paul writes, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Honor your father and mother. Teenagers, give me your attention for a moment. This is important for you to understand. Obeying your father and mother isn't a lifelong command. 
There will come a time, uh, there will come a day when you no longer have to obey them. But honoring your father and mother is a lifelong command, whether you think they deserve it or not. Honor isn't about the other person, it's about you. You might be prioritizing, uh, uh, you might be honoring for the sake of Jesus, that's okay. But you definitely want to honor because of the promise tied to this command. Things will go well for you. Things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Do you really want things to not go well for you? Honor your father and mother. Parents, you are teaching your kids how to do this for their entire lifetime. Make it easy for them. Be honorable. Okay, so honor your mother and do not lie. Now, of all the things that we could highlight, why this one? Why do not lie? Let's go back to what it means to love God. We love God in the way we love others. Lying breaks a relationship. That's the why for this rule. Lying breaks a relationship. Of course, it, it, that's not all it does. Lying also dishonors the other person. But in both cases, it puts the relationship at risk. When you can't believe what another person is saying, everything is off balance. The relationship is damaged. How can I trust you this time if you lied last time? How can I take you at your word if you don't always stick to your word? Honesty is the foundation to healthy relationships. Relationally speaking, lying is the worst thing that you can do. You can work around most other things, but lying can easily kill a relationship. And just as selfishness is our natural bent, self-protection, which is what lying is, uh, we lie to protect ourselves from something, self-protection comes to us naturally. And we see this truth uh, all throughout history, even back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve eat what they know they shouldn't eat, and when they are called on it, they hide in blame. Exactly what we lean toward naturally all these years later. Self-protection is instinctive. Nobody wants to look bad. So we need to be trained to be truth-tellers. It requires coaching. In our home, telling a lie led to more stringent discipline than telling the truth. Always. Many times, kids will lie because they're caught off guard. Well, kids and adults do that. And, and when we confront our kids with anger in our tone and, our and or our body language, we automatically force them into self-preservation mode. So they do what we all do. They protect themselves. They defend themselves. So instead, you might prepare your kids to tell the truth by saying something like this. I'm going to ask you something, and you may be tempted to lie. I really don't want you to lie to me. Our relationship is too important for that. Ready? Honesty is a muscle that gets stronger the more you use it. The more you coach it when they are young, the less you'll have to threaten them when they are older. Especially when they are young. Double down on lying and enthusiastically reward the truth. You'll be glad that you did. So two rules. Honor your mother. Don't ever lie. Everything you want your kids to do the way you want them to act can be rolled up into these two rules. Now, what does discipline look like when things don't go as well as you'd hoped? 
This is where redemptive discipline comes into play, which is going to take a little more thought and creativity on your part. Now, let me remind you of the goal. It's all about relationship. At the heart of every transgression is a someone, not a something. A restored relationship is the most important thing to discipline toward. You want to repair what has been broken. Just taking away the Xbox or cell phone in and of itself doesn't fix the broken relationship. Sending them to their room doesn't in and of itself fix the broken relationship. The best discipline comes with consequences that fix what has been broken. Remember that we're teaching our kids that life has consequences. Which means that the consequences should never be one size fits all. This is where a lot of parents struggle. We incorrectly believe that everything has to be fair. So we make our punishments the same for different children. Which is actually not fair. Your children aren't one size fits all. They are each unique with different temperaments, different strengths, different weaknesses, different everything. And you already parent them differently when they are not in trouble. I'm the firstborn in my family. When I had to clean my room, I had to end up with a clean room. By the time my baby sister Courtney came around, clean was, can I see some of the carpet? You don't, you don't parent the same way in all other areas of parenting. You are constantly growing and changing. They are constantly growing and changing. You aren't the same from one kid to the next, and neither is one kid the same as the others. They aren't the same, so to treat them the same under any circumstances, but especially when they mess up, is not fair. When Lexi transgressed as a kid, all you had to do was look at her cross-eyed and she'd burst into tears. Sorry for whatever she'd done. With Josh, you could take away literally everything. Everything that he liked and he'd be like, who cares? He couldn't care less. Our kids are not the same. It is unfair to treat them as if they are. As a side note, if this is you up to this point... I'd suggest sitting down with your kids and telling them that the rules are changing so that they understand what you're up to. What we really need is designer consequences. Designer consequences. The kind of consequences that look at each broken relationship and does what is required to repair that broken relationship. Around 10 years ago, just before rehearsal on a Sunday morning, three middle school boys were skateboarding through our parking lot with a golf club in hand. And when they got to the doors up here at the front of the celebration center, one of them used the golf club to whack a rock directly into the door and it shattered the safety glass. From the inside, it sounded like a gunshot. And then, surprise, 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 they took off running toward Whitaker. Someone called 911 while a couple of guys followed them, and then a Kaiser police officer showed up on the other side of Whitaker where he arrested one of them. The other two got away. Because our property was damaged, the court asked us what we wanted the punishment to look like. To repair the damage was about $700. As I sat across the table from this angry boy and his parents, I knew that if I asked for the $700 that they would pay it and the boy wouldn't learn anything from the experience. 
So instead, I asked for restitution in the form of community service on our campus working with Glenn and Joaquin, which the court agreed to. So Jason began to use his free time working around here with two men who love to connect at a heart level with young boys. And it wasn't long before Jason gave his life to Christ and then continued to help out Glenn and Joaquin long after he no longer had to help out Glenn and Joaquin. That is a designer consequence. I could have taken the easy road and had his parents write a check, but it would have been a punishment, not discipline, and certainly not redemptive discipline. So what does it take to restore the relationship? This will look different for a four-year-old than a 14-year-old. A simple I'm sorry is the first step, of course, but I'm sorry doesn't fix what has been broken, and it shouldn't erase the consequences. An apology alone doesn't rebuild the relationship. In fact, it can make it worse. Forgiveness is supposed to be instantaneous, but the restoration of the relationship takes time and intention. The goal of discipline is to teach your child to restore the relationship they damaged. Effective discipline requires confession and restitution. Take that time and intention. It's worth the effort. This is when it is good to be deeply connected in community. Sometimes it's helpful to have someone else to bounce ideas off of, especially if they can look at your situation without any bias. But here's, here's an idea for how to approach, your, uh, approach this with your kids. Let's call this the oh no method. When your kids misbehave, start with an oh no. Oh no, that's too bad. I wasn't expecting you to do that. I'm sorry that you will have to face the consequences for that decision. Or oh no, I'm on your side here. And I hate that you are going to be penalized for your behavior. You might have to practice that one to make it believable. <laughs> what this communicates is that you're on their team. They aren't off the hook, but you aren't the bad guy. You are just as sad as they are and for the same reason. Maybe not just as sad. For your teenagers, it's okay to put the ball in their court. Oh no, now what are you going to deal, do to deal with this one? What's next? Besides protecting your relationship with your child, the oh no method buys you time to pull yourself together, to breathe so you don't respond in anger. You want to have your emotions in check. The younger your kids are, the faster you'll have to connect the dots and help them figure out how to restore the relationship. But it's okay to take a breath and let them stew in the tension for a few minutes. And at those ages, the consequences are a little easier to figure out. Depending on their age, you might ask, what do you think would make mommy feel better? Or how do you think you can show your sister you love her? You will probably have to help them, but it begins to teach them the right questions to ask. Eventually, they'll be old enough for you to say, I don't know, I need some time to figure it out to their question of what are you going to do? And by the time your kids are in their teens, time is your friend. You can wait longer and then totally put the ball in their court for them to decide how to repair the relationship. Don't be too quick to, to release the tension. God works in the tension. 
So don't rush him. And that's how real life works anyway. Nothing gets fixed in an instant. Uh, one more thing. When it, when it comes to consequences, don't pre-assign consequences. You know, if, if I come home and your room isn't clean, then. Or if you do that again, I'll. Or if you're late, I'm going to take away your driving privileges. Pre-assigned consequences broadcast that you expect your child to fail. And even if they don't, you don't know whether they were trying to avoid punishment or were trying to honor your request. Two very different motives. Instead, you can prime the pump for obedience. Thank you in advance for making sure that you're home on time tonight. Knowing I can trust you means a lot. Now, as we close, let me remind you that as hard as the 18 years of actively parenting your child might be, in retrospect, they'll fly by. And they are adults far longer than they were children. How you experience their adulthood will in part be determined by whether or not you discipline them with the relationship in mind. So discipline with later in mind. It's not necessarily the fastest or most efficient way of disciplining. Taking stuff away is more efficient, but taking stuff away usually hardens hearts. It's less effective. It doesn't change hearts. You're, you're going to discipline regardless of which approach you take. Wouldn't it be better to up your odds that you turn out a better human adult who understands that there are consequences to the decisions we make in life? One last thing, disciplining with the relationship in mind is not the same as disciplining with your reputation in mind. Uh, disciplining with the relationship in mind will probably put your reputation at risk at some point. Don't let your pride or ego get in the way of you designing the best consequence for your child, even if, it thinks, if you think it makes you look like a bad parent. How you, look at like, how you look as a parent is far less important than how well you discipline your child in the ways of Jesus. Don't lose sight of that. And we'll talk about bringing up children in the ways of Jesus more next week. Let's pray. Father, discipline is probably the, one of the hardest areas to navigate as a parent. We want to do it well, but we, we, get, we get our emotions in the way and we don't do it well and, and we lose sight of the goal. We're tired at the end of the day and spending the time to be creative and design a a, a discipline that, that works better than punishment is, is hard when you're worn out. Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom. Great wisdom. Give us strength and stamina to keep, the, to keep our eyes on the prize. We all want the same thing. We want our kids to grow up to love Jesus with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to understand the ways of the world from Jesus' perspective. Thank you for entrusting that journey to us as parents. Help us to walk that journey faithfully. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today. Let me encourage you to download the discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. Working through those questions on your own or with others will help the truth of God's Word begin to shape your life as you grow to be like Jesus. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen, or you can call the church during the week. If you are just checking us out today, please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. We count it a privilege to play a small part in God's perfect work in you today. The people who call Dayspring their home church make this ministry possible. Their faithful giving is proof of God's work in their lives, and they want to pay it forward so you can experience the same life-changing presence of Jesus. For those of you who would like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. Please see the online giving section of our website, or text GIVE to the number on your screen, or mail a check to us at the address you'll find on our website. Until we meet again, I am praying that God would give you opportunities to use your influence for the glory of His kingdom. And one more thing. Thank you for liking and sharing and following Dayspring on whatever platform you connect with us. Thank you for rating us where that is appropriate. Even more, thank you for sharing our services with your friends and family. If this service was a blessing to you, it'll probably be a blessing to someone else too. God uses you to plant seeds in other people's lives. So keep sewing.